Well, good day. I say good day because it's morning for us. It's morning for some of you tuning in, but some of you it's not. It's afternoon, evening, or whenever. So just good. How about that? Good. And welcome to everyone. My name is Shauna Boren, and I am one of the pastors here at Woodland Hills. And we want to let you guys know to please continue to lift Greg up in prayer. He is still out uh, with his back. Uh, just he... He covets your prayers, he leans on them, and so we are really thankful to be a part of a community that can come together to pray for one another. So please do that. Also, Shelly, his wife, is recovering from an injury as well. So let's just cover the, bowl, the Boyd household in prayer. I, like I said, I'm one of the pastors here, and one of the aspects of my role here at Woodland Hills is that I get to do this weekly show called The Musecast with Dan Kent, and Dan was up here last week. Thank you, Dan, for wrapping up the series for us. Good job, sir. However, we've got beef, man, because in his sermon, he shared something with you guys um, about a conversation we had during the Musecast, and he was presenting something to you guys, and he said that I thought it was cheesy and laughed at him, and so I only feel like it's right that now that I have the stage and the microphone that I am able to set the record straight. Yes, Dan did talk about rolling down the river, um, but this is what happened, you guys. You know that I love music, and so when he said that, I just, like Tina Turner, rest in peace, popped into my head. And so I'm literally like in my brain, like rolling, rolling. You know, that's like what's going through my brain. And I caught myself. And so I started giggling. That's what happened. I was paying homage to Tina, not <laughs> making fun of Dan. So there, sir, take that. All right, you guys, like I said, we just finished this really powerful, long, uh, intense series called Unraveling Truth. And we did a lot of deep wrestling. We dove into some things. Uh, we, there was a ton of good teaching that came through that. And if I know us, whatever we move into next is going to be more good teaching and more deep wrestling. And so it's going to be uh, more intense learning and growing together. And so knowing that we've come out of unraveling truth, knowing that whatever we go into, whenever we, and whatever we go into next is going to be just as good. And then also just taking the temperature of what is happening around us, uh, Many good things, but many not so good things. Like we are wrestling with some stuff, not only as a country, but as a world. Like there is just some, some wacky things going on all around us. And so as I was praying about what to share with you all today, I just really got a sense that today is all about coming up and just taking a deep breath, like just coming up from the deep water and taking a breath and being refreshed and encouraged. And I also got this sense while I was praying and then talking with Mary and Dan in our run through on Friday night, because we don't do these things alone, right? We have a community and a team of people around us that we process and pray with whenever we're um, teaching up here. Uh, just this sense that this isn't just for you as individuals, but because it is, but this is also for us, for Woodland Hills, for our community, for our body, and that's those in this room and those tuning in online. I really believe that this is a word of encouragement from the very lips of Jesus for us. And so I kind of see today as a preparation of our hearts uh, to ground us and to hold us uh, 
regardless of where we find ourselves and regardless of what is happening around us, that this could be a resource for us to tune into and to lean on. And so with that, I just say, Lord Jesus, have your way today. So in order to get into what I want to talk about today, I want to take us back and I want to set the stage of something that is really beautiful and profound. And it's going to be something that you all mostly remember and know well. But it is that moment where Jesus is having that final meal with his disciples and we know what's coming. He knows what's coming. They've been told what's coming, but they're still a little clueless. And so Jesus does this remarkable thing the King of King, Lord of Lords, he gets up and he serves his disciples in this beautiful way. And just as a reminder, I want to read us um, those passages. And this is from John 13. It says, now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. This is a really profound moment, a moment of Jesus revealing the kind of king that he is. Not a king that was going to ascend to a particular throne, but a king that was actually going to a cross. And in those moments leading up to that, he served his disciples and he washed their feet in this really beautiful self-revelation of who he is. And after this profound moment comes, uh, let's just call them a group of chapters that are commonly known as the farewell discourse. So these are conversations and things that Jesus said to his disciples on his way to the cross. These chapters in John comprise of Jesus's parting words. Um, you could see them as even a brief instruction guide for what it will look like for the disciples to continue to follow Jesus after he departs. And so you get a sense that this is a really crucial time that he's spending with them. And what he has to say is really important. It's as if he's saying, you've been with me. You have lived with me. You have seen how I operate and what I do. And let me explain to you now what I did the purpose behind what I did so that you can go and do likewise. And this is something he said to his disciples, but this is something I feel like he's saying to us as his children as well. So in the middle of all of this, this really interesting metaphor comes up about vines and branches. So after he washes their feet and, and he, they're talking and he says, he takes them away. He's like, hey, come away with me. And he takes them to this vineyard and he has this really interesting interaction with the disciples. And that's what I want us to take a look at today. And this is where the title of our sermon comes from. And I think it's going to be pretty clear as to why. But today's sermon is entitled Abiding in Truth. All right. So let's look at John 15. <clears throat> I am the true vine. And my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. A few verses down, Jesus continues. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. We just sang about that. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands that you may love one another. From the lips of Jesus, to the ears of the disciples, to our ears today, help us to hear. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Okay, so let's unpack John 15 a little bit. I want to go back to the beginning. And like I said, I've often wondered why, like knowing what was coming for Jesus, Calvary, the cross, knowing where his destination was leading him. Why was this topic of vines and branches like at the forefront of his mind? Why did he steal the disciples away to have this conversation with them when he knew he was mere hours from death? So that tells me there's something going on here to pay attention to, something that we can tap into here. And it's a beautiful glimpse of the heart of Jesus for his followers And so let's start at the very beginning of the verse where Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. That's pretty obvious. Jesus is the vine. The father is the vine grower. Some translations say gardener. And he says that we are the branches. Then he goes on to say that every branch in him that doesn't bear fruit is going to be removed by the vine grower. And so as I've read this before, that kind of seems a bit abrupt, a bit harsh. Um, I didn't quite understand it. And then there have been teachings that have talked about like, hey, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing as a Christ follower, he's going to like cut you off and remove you. Because there are some translations that use the word cut off. So it'll say he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And so this is what I've learned by, by being a part of this community is whenever we come across some passages that don't seem to reflect the character of Jesus as we know him to be, that self-sacrificial, others-oriented love, we need to look deeper, see what else may be going on there. Because it does, so to me, I'm just saying to me, 
um, and to others that I've um, talked with over the years, it just didn't seem like a very loving thing to say, hey, if you don't shape up, we're going to cut you off and <laughs> toss you out. So what else, what else could be going on there? Um, so interesting thing that I am married to Scott Boren, which is glorious and wonderful, but one of the many benefits of being married to him is I have access to his vast library, and that man loves books, he loves theology, he loves to study, and so um, it's a really great perk uh, to be married to him, to be able to uh, get resources from him, and so that's what I did. I grabbed some resources and did a little research, and actually that word remove means not to cut off, but it actually means to take up, to lift up. Very different, very different picture of what God is up to here. And furthermore, in my research, um, I was reading this book about the vines and the branches and this author, there were some things that didn't really resonate, but the things that really stood out to me was this author talked to um, vineyard workers, like folks that work in the vineyard, like how lucky are they? Um, but he talked to them to kind of get a better picture of what's going on here. And this is what, um, this is what a vineyard worker had to say. They said that uh, new branches, they have a tendency, a natural tendency to trail down and grow along the ground, but they don't bear fruit down in the ground because when the branches grow along the ground, the leaves get coated in dust. They get dirty. And when it rains, they get muddy and mildewed. The branch becomes sick. Instead of cutting it off and throwing it away, because the branch still has value, it's much too valuable for that, the vine growers go through the vineyard with a bucket of water looking for those branches that are growing along the ground, that are covered in dust, that are stuck in the mud. They lift up those branches and they wash them off. And then the branches are wrapped up around a trellis or tied up, and pretty soon those branches are thriving again. That sounds like God. That sounds like the loving heart of Jesus to me. For whatever reason, many of us will find ourselves just growing along the ground. Things in life, you know, right? We get dirty. We get stuck in the mud. Sometimes it's things that we've done. Sometimes it's the consequences of our own actions. Sometimes it's the circumstances of the world that we live in, the fallen world that we live in. But for whatever reason, we find ourselves stuck, dirty. And God, the vine grower, doesn't come along and go, whew, dirty you, out you go. No, he's like, whoa, that's not supposed to be there. And he lifts up the branches. He lifts us up. He washes us off. He ties us up so that we can thrive and grow. That is a beautiful image. The image of him lifting us up, washing us, cleaning us off, helping us to flourish again. That is what it looks like when he nudges us towards life, nudging us towards thriving, not cutting us off, not giving up on us. I loved Delon's worship thought this morning. Like sometimes we feel like we're not worthy, but when God looks at you, he's like, hey, let me help you. You're a little dirty. Let me wash you off. You still have so much value. He's not cutting us off. He's not giving up on us. And so then 
Jesus goes on to talk about pruning. Well, that doesn't sound very fun either. Thank you very much. I say no thank you to pruning, but again, I'm not a gardener, you guys. Um, I do not have a green thumb. I have the opposite of, green th of a green thumb. But I will say I have this cute little fern because they're supposed to be sturdy. I have this cute little fern in my office. Her name is Betty White. Um, so, you know, got to pay homage to Betty. Um, and, uh, please don't die, little fern. Um, but, but I'm trying. But so, again, I had to do some research because this does not come naturally to me. And you guys, pruning is actually a good thing. It means to thin, to reduce. And so without pruning, there's no growth. There is no thriving. And so, again, we have another beautiful glimpse at what God the Father is up to here when he's tending to our lives. He's not just arbitrarily cutting things off because he's ticked off at us and we can't learn our lesson. No, he is purposeful. He is purposeful in what he is taking away, things that we get caught up in, things that distract us, things that hinder us, things that hold us back, things that get us stuck. He's just going to nip away at those things. Why? So that we can flourish, so that we can grow and be who he's called us to be. He is faithfully at work to make room to add to our lives, adding by subtracting, taking away what doesn't need to be there so that we can grow into what he has for us. The vine grower is lovingly, actively tending to our lives to make us grow from empty to overflowing, from barren to plentiful. That's what he's up to at work in our lives. And then Jesus moves into uh, some of my favorite passages where he talks about abiding. And church, that is what I really want us to lean into today is this abiding language that he's using here. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. And he goes on, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Abide. He says it over and over and over again. So again, I go, hmm, maybe you want to pay attention to that. Abide. Doesn't just mean to like hang out, come back and forth. No, abide means to remain, to stay closely connected to. Another way to define abide is to settle in. I really like that. Like to settle in to him. What a powerful thing he's telling us here. He's telling his disciples and he's telling us to remain in him, to settle into him, to stay closely connected to him. Because he knew where he was going. He knew what he was leaving them with. I feel like he knew the, the struggles that they would encounter. And he is saying, in the midst of all of that, stay connected to me. Remain in me. Settle into me. And it doesn't really come across as a suggestion. He's not like, hey, if you think about it, 
abide. No, he's like, abide, <laughs> abide, abide over and over and over again. And I think that's because it's not going to necessarily come naturally to us to do that. When things come up in our lives, when distractions come, when chaos comes, when uh, temptations come, we can get a little scattered. And it's like he's reminding us, hey, 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 abide, remain, be settled in. We have to make a conscious effort in our daily lives to abide in him. And in order to do, the, to do this, we must know ourselves well enough to know what hinders our abiding. What are things that keep us from naturally abiding in him? And this is something that each of us will have to search our hearts to discover because it's not just a blanket formula for all of us. Each of us has to search our hearts to see what is it that causes us to not abide, what hinders our abiding. For some, it's the simple fact that you don't believe that the Father wants this type of connected relationship with you. You don't feel good enough, worthy enough, clean enough. And God is saying, that is just hogwash. I mean, I don't know what translation hogwash is, but... Let's just go with it today. That's just, that's not what he is about. He wants this deeply connected relationship with you. And so don't allow the enemy whose sole purpose is to steal from you, to kill you and to destroy you. But Jesus came that we could have abundant life. So don't lean into the lies of the enemy. Instead, lean into abiding with him. He wants a deeply connected relationship with you as you are. Allow him to meet you where you are and to grow you further into him. For some, we've had hurts and disappointments. We've literally just gone through an entire series of reasons why we feel disconnected from God or we walk away from our faith or why we just, we tend to give up. There are real things out there and Jesus is still saying, not all of that. Don't abide in all of that. Abide in me. Some of us, we even have bigger hindrances in our lives. We have unforgiveness, maybe for really real good things, but we harbor unforgiveness or bitterness. And those are things that keep us, keep our eyes unfocused on him so we cannot abide in him. We also have to ask ourselves the question, well, if it's not natural for us to abide in Christ, what is it that we tend to abide in? What do we tend to lean into? That's something you've got to search your hearts to discover for yourselves. For some, it's just the busyness of life. Like we just have no time. And so we are just like leaning full on into our busy schedules, the grind, all of our responsibilities. Some of us have power and influence and we're just leaning into that so that we can further that influence and that power or position. Some of us have success and accomplishments. And so we get our life from that. And so we lean into that so that we can feel more successful and more accomplished. And I'm not saying any of that is bad. I'm just saying when we lean into those things, instead of leaning into him, our growth is going to be stunted. We're not going to flourish. We're not going to have an abundance of fruit flowing from our lives. And I don't think we're going to be really fulfilled or joyful 
So let this be our encouragement. Let this be our reminder for you as individuals, but for us as a church body to stay connected to him. Let's stay connected to the vine, to draw our spiritual nourishment from the vine. That's where we need to be getting fed. We need to get our life and our fulfillment by staying in him, by abiding in him. We need to put our daily trust in him. We need to abide, hang out, settle in to his love, his love that is perfect, perfect. Jesus knew what it was for him, how important it was for him to abide in the Father. And likewise, it is vital for us to abide in him. Why? Why does this matter? Why was this what was on his heart hours before his death? Because we need to be able to fulfill our purpose and to bear fruit. Apart from him, we can't really do anything, not anything substantial or lasting, When we abide, it helps us to sense the leading of the Lord, to hear his still, still small voice, recognize that voice when it's speaking to us. When we abide in him and it empowers us to draw from him his resources. So when we are lacking peace, we can draw upon the peace of Jesus. When we are lacking love for people or situations, we can draw upon his love. When we are lacking grace or feeling less than, we can draw upon his grace. This empowers us to draw from his resources because he is always plentiful and overflowing. It is us sometimes who feel depleted and lacked and like our tank is running low. Abiding allows us to recognize he is our calm in the storm. All you have to do is read a newspaper on your phone, in your hands, watch, t- watch TV or avoid it all to know that there is some craziness going on in our world today. And it doesn't seem like it's going to get, you know, better anytime soon. And so there is always craziness whirling around us, but we can know that he is our calm in the storm. We don't necessarily get plucked out of the storm. We're in it. And guess what? He's in it with us. He is our calm. He is our source of strength. He is our healer. When we've got sickness and disease whirling whirling around us, and maybe we've gotten a bad report from the doctor, he is our healer. He is our way maker. He is our friend, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Abiding is how we live into this beautiful friendship with God that he desires with us. It's not about how much we know. We belong to a community and a church that is so good at teaching. We are blessed to get the teaching that we get here every week. It is amazing and it is deep and it is good. But that's not really the point of this friendship with God. It's good to have knowledge, but this is really about seeking and longing for, and thirsting for. It's about knowing him, and loving him, and hearing him, and responding to a person. And that person is God the Father, who loves us, and is trustworthy, and is patient. And when he looks at you, he doesn't see the dirt and the mud. He doesn't see the mistakes. He sees his beloved child. He sees a worthy heir, and that God wants to abide with you, with me, with us. He desires a thriving, flourishing connection with us. So how do we, how can we do this? How can we 
remember to abide, to remain, to settle into him. In spite of what is happening in our lives or in our world or, the, or in our relationships, in spite of the things that seem to be not quite right, how can we really lean into him and remember that his presence is there with us? I think we have to just pay attention and really deepen the quality. I'm not talking about quantity. I'm talking about the quality of our set-apart time with him. Remember, he's a person who wants relationship with us. So hopefully that means we're spending time with him. How can we deepen the quality of that time? I think it's important to, to remember, to savor, to relish in God's words to you. Because as a person, he is speaking to us. He is loving us. He is showing us things. And we need to savor that. We need to remember that we are talking and listening to an actual person, not this aloof, far-off figure who doesn't care about the daily things in our lives. We need to recognize that he is always present. And you guys have heard, Greg has a book, Present Perfect, that will help, you know, get used to the idea that Jesus, God, the Father, is always present. The Spirit is always present with us. And not only that, that we can always be present with him regardless of what is whirling around us. I have seen this in my life over and again, over and again, just when chaos is whirling around, just the calm and the presence of Jesus right there in the midst of it. Several years ago, uh, I believe it was 2019, hold on. The fruit got stuck in the straw, so I didn't get any water, that's sad. Okay. Oh God. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Okay. 2019, my family, we had gone down to visit our, my parents and Scott's parents. So Oklahoma was the first stop because at the time that's where my parents were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, um, the first night we were there late that night, my mom came into, um, the room where I was sleeping and she's like, Hey, Shauna, we got to get up. There's a tornado warning in the area. And so I don't know how late it was. It was like, not, if it was after 9 p.m., that's late, right? Like, I had already done the trifecta, Golden Girls, Matlock, Murder, She Wrote. I was asleep. I was, like, gone for the night. So she had to, like, startle me awake and, like, hey, there's a, there's a tornado in the area. And I'm like, well, okay. So, you know, grab everyone. Where's Scott? You know, just get everyone. And so they don't have basements there. And the safest, most secure place in the house was actually in the closet of my parents' primary bedroom. So we're all crouched in the closet. The power had gone out. It's dark. And we're in there, you know, with my kit. And I'm just, you know, we're all holding hands and it, it was it was scary you guys I'm not gonna lie um, and you could hear the wind and you could feel the house shaking it was really intense and it seemed like it lasted for the longest time I know it was just a few minutes but it was it was pretty scary and in that moment when I literally could hear the wind and I could feel the house shaking and you could hear like windows rattling I just called on the name of Jesus not to stop the storm necessarily, or I just, just that he would be a calming presence in the midst of that chaos. And he was, I just had this assurance of knowing it's going to be okay. Whatever happens, it's going to be okay because we are not alone. His presence is right here with us. And guess what? We made it through. Our vehicle did not make it through. 
Um, it was outside and got a little, a little damage. We couldn't drive it home, in case you were wondering. We had to leave it in Tulsa and rent something else to make it home. But, but it was a literal representation of what we're talking about here, like in the midst of this storm, a hectic, crazy, violent um, storm, Jesus was our peace. He was all, our calm. And that is what is desired for all of us, that no matter what is going around around us, we can know that he is always present and that we are always present with him. We can be tapped into this presence at all times, at all times. We have that assurance from the Father. I have talked before about Brother Lawrence. I love reading stories about who this man was. Brother Lawrence is a 17th century lay Christian who worked in a monastery kitchen. And he just has some beautiful, beautiful stories that I've shared before. And I just want to share this quote with you all today because I feel like it really, um, it, it captures what we're trying to say here so nicely about abiding. He says, I do nothing else but abide in his holy presence. And I do this by simple attentiveness and a habitual, loving turning of my eyes on him. This I call a wordless and secret conversation between the soul and God, which no longer ends. Just a continual conversation of being attentive to him. And you know, the cool thing about that is, is as we are doing that, we don't have to go searching for him because he's already there. He's attentive on us. His attention is turned toward you and toward me. And so I really want us to hear this encouragement. I'm going to read these words of Jesus over our community again. If you want, close your eyes, but let's just take this in, these words of Jesus to us. He says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commandments so that you may love one another. He talks about abiding a lot. He talks about his faithfulness a lot. He talks about us loving one another a lot. And I think that's something that we need to pay attention to. In our lives personally, in our relationship with the Lord, it's important to pay attention to, but also in our lives as a part of this community. And so if Woodland Hills, if we are your people, if this is your body, let's pay attention right, right here. It is amazing for us to know that we are, the vine, we are the branches in the vine of Jesus and that the Father is the one who grows us, helps us to be abundant and faithful. 
It is also amazing to know that we're not in this alone. He's not just saying this to an individual. He didn't pull the disciples aside one by one. He talked to them as a group, as a community. And I think there's something to that. What he wanted to say to this community before he left the earth was to love one another, be there for one another. This interrelationship, this mutuality of indwelling is so important. And when you look at a vine and branches growing in a vineyard, sometimes it's hard to see where one branch starts and another branch stops because there's so much intertwining. They can kind of grow and thrive together. I think that's something that we need to pay attention to and be encouraged by. None of us are at this alone. We are going to go at this together. We're going to grow and thrive together. We're going to bear fruit, which means to act in love together. We belong to one another as we are all shaped by the love of Jesus. That is a beautiful thing. No branch has pride or place. None of us are better than the other. There's no status or rank here. We all grow from one central vine. And that central vine where us, the branches grow, are tended by one gardener. So we are all equally accountable to the standard to love as Jesus loved. And so if you're feeling stuck in the mud, if you're feeling like you've gotten a little dirty, all you have to do is reach out to a brother or a sister because we've got you. We together can flourish and grow as we yield ourselves to the shears of the Father that lovingly take away things from us that hinder us and enables us to grow into him, we can do that together as a community. Think about where you are in your life right now. I don't know if you do, if you're in a place right now where you need to be lifted up and you need to be dusted off. Maybe you need a good washing. That's all right. The Father's ready. He's willing. He's, he's here. He's able. I don't know if you need some things pruned away. That's all right. The Father is here, lovingly, willing, ready, able. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you are flourishing. That's awesome. Let's help someone else along. Let's help someone else flourish. Sometimes we, can't, we don't know that we're dirty. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know we're stuck. We just know that things don't seem quite right, and it takes someone else to say, hey, brother, sister, let me help you out here. This is what I see, what's going on. Allow God to come in. Allow him to wash us. Allow him to help us to flourish. Jesus said that he gave these commandments so that we may love one another. So let's do that, okay? Let's do it. Let us together be the branches that bear the abundant fruit of love as a bountiful harvest that has been perfectly tendered to by our good, good Father. Let's do that together. Let's see that we are worthy of that as individuals and we are worthy of that as a community. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you guys so much for your attention today. Part of being a part of the community means you don't go through your stuff alone. And so if you need prayer, don't leave. Don't log off. We have folks that will be here at the front ready to agree with you in prayer. Hold you up. I have had people holding me up in prayer all week. It is glorious. Thank you. We need that. We need each other. Online, there will be people in prayer rooms for you to go in and pray with. Please, please don't leave um, holding anything 
that is heavy. Let your community surround you. Uh, also, we have gathering groups. The gathering groups are so great, you guys. We had some of them come down for the summer get-together. These are a great way to meet people. It's a great first step to connect with other people from all over the world. It's amazing. And we go deeper and we talk about the sermon. So I encourage you to get involved with those. There's info about that online. And then the MuseCast. Come check Dan and out. We're going to duke it out on Tuesday. Um, so help us uh, talk through this sermon a little more as we dig a little deeper and bring out some other insights. Hey, thank you guys for being a part of this community. Thank you for being fellow branches, as am I, on the vine. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Go out and love one another.